Yo, the new AP poll is out, and the Miami Hurricanes have moved into the top 15. Woohoo! Means absolutely nothing right now. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked on College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on college terms and conditions apply. So after the, uh, the AP poll week two dropped yesterday, uh, Tuesday around 2 PM and a couple people were asking me like, Hey, you know, Canes move up a little bit. Are you going to do like a, a live breaking emergency episode on this? And it's like, I've been doing this for way too long. <laughs> I've been a fan of the Miami hurricanes for way too long to care whatsoever about moving up or moving down in the polls when you haven't played anybody yet. You haven't played a real opponent yet. Like, you know, I, I guess I figured Miami might move up a spot or two uh, just because of some of the teams in front of them that lost games and may get leapfrogged. But um, honestly, I don't think they should release any polls until a few weeks into the season. Because even like starting out a season unranked by the AP puts you behind the eight ball. Starting out a season overrated by the AP, like, listen, I'm not trying to take anything away from Florida's win. It's going to sound that way. Utah at number seven was very overrated to start the season. So having them at number seven, overrating them, underrating other teams, it's only going to make things screwy the farther you go down this process. I don't think we should even release an AP poll until you've had you know a handful of games let's say three four games into the year and we can start to actually figure out who these teams are and yes there are programs out there like you know florida's number 12 now that's a quality win for them against utah like there are a handful of teams out there who have quality wins to start the season in terms of miami we know absolutely nothing and we're not going to know anything my friends until after the texas a&m game that Sunday morning, after that late night, we're going to have a 9 p.m. start at College Station, and I'm going to be hosting post-game on the Miami Hurricanes radio network after that. So it's going to be a very, very late night. Hopefully we're talking about a Canes victory, but whether it's a victory or a loss, after that Texas A&M game, we're going to have a pretty good idea when we wake up the next morning where Miami actually fits into the college football landscape because all we know right now is the Hurricanes took care of business against an opponent that probably has no business facing Miami in the first place. But, you know, facing FCF schools every now and then, that's just the reality of college football. Miami's not the only team that does it. Um, you know, I, I did take comfort in the fact that Miami executed their offense very well. The offensive line looks nastier, more physical. They got the job done. Miami's shorthanded running back, backfield, Henry Parrish and Thad Franklin especially, got the job done. Miami's quarterbacks. Got the job done. They went 21 for 24 combined. 
Uh, at least one of Miami's receivers got the job done, Xavier Restrepo. We still don't really know a whole lot about who's going to step up behind him. A couple tight ends made nice plays in the game. I'm very encouraged about Elijah Royo and seeing Jaleel Skinner get a 30-yard catch in that game. The true freshman was encouraging as well. There were ups and downs on the defense, some encouraging and some discouraging stuff. But, you know, Miami being top 15 right now, uh, it means nothing to me. It should mean absolutely nothing to you. So here's how the uh, the AP top 25 plays out at this point. Alabama, top spot, Georgia. Now, Georgia, that's a team. They moved up a spot. That's a team that got a quality win. They shellacked Utah. That's a nice – not not Utah, Oregon. I was thinking wrong Pac-12 team. Uh, Georgia shellacked Oregon. That was a quality win for them. Uh, Ohio State actually dropped a spot to number three. Michigan is four. Clemson is five. They actually dropped a spot. Uh, you know, they covered against Georgia Tech, but looked a little sloppy at times doing so. Texas A&M, who Miami's going to face, that's the team that's going to be our real barometer. They're at number six. Oklahoma seventh. Notre Dame drops three spots down to eight. Baylor at nine. USC at ten. I think they're a little overrated. We'll find out. Uh, Oklahoma State at 11. Florida at 12. Utah drops to 13. Michigan State 14th. Miami 15th. Uh, so, and by the way, if you're keeping track here, Miami is the second highest rated team in the ACC. Clemson's top five. Miami's next up at number 15. Then you've got Arkansas at 16. Pittsburgh, the third ACC team on the list at number 17. North Carolina State, number 18. Uh, they didn't look very good in their first game. Wisconsin, 19. Kentucky, 20. BYU, 21. Ole Miss, 22. Wake Forest, 23. Tennessee, 24. And Houston rounds out the Associated Press top 25. So, um, so what's going to happen, uh, assuming... Miami takes care of business and and beats Southern Miss. Um, again, I, I honestly, uh, just based on the competition level, it's going to be tougher this week than it was last week, right? But Southern Miss will be considerably tougher than Bethune-Cookman. Miami's favorite to win the game by almost four touchdowns. I think the line's around 26, 26 and a half, depending on where you look. Um, so again, I can't see, even if Miami wins handily, I can't see the Hurricanes moving up more than a spot or two. For the AP, unless some teams in front of them just suffer shocking losses, I think if the Hurricanes win comfortably and they take care of business, they could end up being number 13 or number 14 heading into Texas A&M the following week. Now, for those of you who like a good conspiracy, you also have to think about this possibility. If you think the AP might be in cahoots with the TV networks, right? Um what if the Associated Press decides to give Miami a big boost if they beat Southern Miss? Because then they really want to sell that matchup, Miami versus Texas A&M, which will probably be college game day stop that week. Wouldn't you love to sell it? Two top 10 opponents going head-to-head, -head, College Station, 9 p.m., Saturday, September 17th, uh, to really sell that as the matchup of the week. So I don't know. If Miami moves up more than a spot or two, if they beat Southern Miss, then I think you're you got to put the tinfoil hat on and wonder if they're just manipulating it for television. Like, oh my God, we got two top ten teams going at it. Uh, but I, I wouldn't expect Miami to move up more than a spot or two. And it's going to be an interesting challenge this week. Uh, now I think we we look more heading into game two, Southern Miss at home. That's a twelve noon game this Saturday. We're certainly looking more at Miami's defense than Miami's offense, uh, especially with the offense. You get the boost of having Jalen Knighton back this coming week. 
Um, you know, you're going to have uh, Zion Nelson starting this game at left tackle. Uh, Ja'Kai Clark, your starting center, is okay. He left the game with injury last week, but he's good enough to play. So you're going to be healthier on the offensive side of the football than you were last week, and the offense was fine last week. The defense is what was described as crystal ball as up and down. There were some busts, busts in coverage, busts in quarterback containment. The tackling was, you know, probably better than last year. But again, against Bethune-Cookman, uh, still the tackling was far from perfect. And your game planning from a Bethune for a Southern Miss offense this week that is somewhat diverse. We talked yesterday about how Southern Miss, they basically run three offensive systems in one. They have the Wildcat, they have their traditional offense, and they have their hybrid Georgia Southern slash old Nebraska style is the way Kevin Steele described it. However, all of Southern Miss's offensive systems, as diverse as they may be formationally, they are all centered around running the football. So Miami, in theory, is not going to have to game plan too much for stopping the pass because the pass is basically non-existent from this opponent. It's all centered on stopping the run. We spoke yesterday in player availabilities with linebacker Chase Smith and yeah, he emphasized that Miami's preparation this week is very much focused on the run. Uh, you look at the play split for Southern Miss last week in their you know overtime thriller uh, where they ended up losing against Liberty. Southern Miss only attempted 13 passes against Liberty compared to 54 runs. So that's that's a heft. It's almost a five to one ratio in favor of running the football and their quarterback only actually attempted eight of those 13 passes. The other five attempts, four of them by Frank Gore Jr., their star running back, were done by running backs in the Wildcat. So their quarterback only threw the ball eight times. Wildcat Wildcat gimmick plays accounted for the other five attempts last week. Uh, and Frank Gore, by the way, he went one for four throwing the football last week out of the Wildcat. Did have a 48-yard completion, which was a big X play for them. So it's all about keying the run and stopping the run this week and the guy that they're going to be try trying to stop who's the primary focal point of southern miss's offense is the son of one of the greatest canes of all time frank gore's kid frank apparently manny diaz didn't want to recruit this guy but frank gore's kid is the focal point of the southern miss offense really intelligent back um tough to tackle explosive player um you know i think miami's going to do a considerably better job shutting him down than liberty 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 did last week i think miami's going to do a much better job in that sense but that's really the guy that you have to focus on and if miami can do a good job against the run this week they were great against the run last week but again southern miss is going to be a much bigger running threat than bethune cookman was if miami can have success against the run and you force Southern Miss into passing downs, long downs on third down, then the defense should be able to absolutely feast. Another thing we got from player availabilities yesterday, we spoke with Keyshawn Smith, the wide receiver, who, man, I what a nice guy, and what a great game he had as a kick returner last week. He averaged over 60 yards per kick return last week. Obviously, we want to see him get more involved actually catching passes this week. And he did, he admitted to us, this wasn't like some huge state secret, I don't think, but he did admit to us that Miami's game plan offensively last week, it was, it was vanilla against Bethune Cookman because he strongly implied Miami didn't want to show too much. 
against Bethune-Cookman. Didn't want to show too many of their cards, right? Again, that's not a scary revelation. I think we all assumed that to be the case, but Keyshawn actually said something about it, which was interesting. So that definitely, it reinforces the idea that moving forward a little bit more this week, a lot more the following week, Miami's playbook is going to get a lot deeper, a lot more creative, and hopefully a lot more aggressive once we get into tougher opponents. And we're really going to see, specifically in the passing game, Miami attacking down the field a lot more. And hopefully Keyshawn Smith, who you know had a lot of catches last year, started all 12 games on the outside at wide receiver. Hopefully he can be one of these strong candidates to emerge as one of TBD's top targets this year. Because we know Xavier Restrepo, that's target number one. Who's going to be target number two? Will it be Keyshawn? Will it be Romello? Will it be Ladson, who had a couple of nice catches last year? Michael Redding had a couple of, uh, last week. I mean, not last year. Michael Redding had a couple of nice catches, including a touchdown last week. Uh, will it be Jacoby George, who's not eligible to play this week, the following week? We shall find out, my friends. But, wow, and this is such a loaded episode. We got some incredible questions from you guys at Locked on Canes on Twitter. You tweet to us, good chance your tweet's going to get read, your question's going to get answered on a show, and follow us at Locked on Canes. We will follow you back. What was going on with Avante Williams last week? That is something we need to address. Uh, and Jalen Knighton, what is he going to add to this offense this week and moving forward? Plus, we got some Gator fans trolling us as well. We have to get to that and more right after we talk about the great people at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has helped me get jobs before. And if you're a small business owner, guys, LinkedIn Jobs is there for you. As you gear up now for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. Just create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of, get this, over 810 million people. Then you add your job and the purple hiring hashtag frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Since it's midweek, we're at the meaty part of the week right now, I wanted to do some Q&A because you guys, you're awesome, whether it's on Twitter at Locked on Canes or on our YouTube channel, leaving us comments. And by the way, we're getting close to our goal. We want to get to 5,000 YouTube subscribers by the Texas A&M game on the 17th. We're about 100 away. So we're getting there, guys. Spread the word. Hit subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And tell your friends, if they love the Canes, tell them they're going to love Locked on Canes. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Help us reach 5,000 followers. So we wanted to go to some questions today because we're getting some good ones. Not only, you know, the, the fallout, good and bad from the Bethune-Cookman game. Some questions about Southern Miss coming up as well. Uh, Hollywood Henny asked us on, uh, I think this was on Twitter, this question came in. He says, 
Why did Avante Williams barely get any snaps last Saturday? I thought he was a co-starter, and I thought this was a three-headed monster at safety. Um, I'm glad we finally got to this because uh, we've gotten a lot of questions on our social media feeds and on YouTube about Avante Williams the last couple of days. So uh, Avante was credited with 14 defensive snaps in the game. And listen, I agree. That was surprisingly low because Avante, about 14 snaps. Uh, James Williams and Cam Kinchins were both in the 40s and Avante was at 14 snaps. So there's a couple different things that were happening last week. Okay. First of all, I think that in a game like that, Miami's rotations were very abnormal for a simple reason, right? Such a lopsided score, it allowed you to go way down deeper on the depth chart, and you're not going to be able to do that, at least not that deep again this season, right? So, you know, when you'd normally be rotating in co-starters in a game like Bethune-Cookman, you're up by 30, 40, 50 points. You start rotating in third and fourth stringers instead of rotating in co-starters. So, you know, the same way that I told you guys at the start of this episode, being ranked in the top 15 right now means nothing. Snap counts coming out of Bethune-Cookman, I also think mean nothing or very little. Maybe not nothing, but they mean very little. So, you know, from this point forward, you're not going to be clearing the bench the way that you did against Bethune-Cookman. So I think I think the snap counts will be more reflective of that. Uh, as far as, you know, Avante playing less than James, which is obvious, and playing less than Cam Kinchins, I think right now Cam Kinchins is just better. <laughs> I think he's just better. It's why he's commanding more playing time. So, you know, Avante's got some different characteristics. So maybe he can now get some big plays this Saturday and prove to coaches I should be taking more snaps away from Cam. Uh, but I think as long as Cam is playing lights out, that, that's going to affect Avante's playing time. But big picture, uh, don't take too much out of the Bethune-Cookman game. I think we're going to see a lot more of Avante Williams moving forward because he's one of Miami's better defensive players. But it is it is a really loaded safety room, okay? Uh, we got a question through YouTube from James in Cutler Bay who says, oh, and I can't wait to tackle this one. James in Cutler Bay says, would you be satisfied – with a close loss at Texas A&M, or does Miami need to win that game? Okay, let me speak for myself here. If you ask me if I will be satisfied with a close loss, I will only be satisfied with a win, okay? That's the, and I look at it this way. If I'm, if I'm satisfied after a Hurricanes game, that means I sleep comfortably that night and I've got a smile on my face the next day. That's how I define satisfaction with the Canes. And no, if, if my if they lose by one point and have a great effort against tech, against Texas A&M and they, they cover the spread, I'm not going to go to bed smiling. I'm not going to sleep comfortably. I, I'm not going to be satisfied with that. I'll be disappointed. Now, there are different degrees of disappointment, right? Whether Miami loses the game by one point or 100 points, I'm going to be in a salty mood the next couple of days. Uh, but it's going to be a lot worse if they're not competitive because, you know, if Miami keeps the game competitive and like really impresses people, even if they lose, at least then you, you can take some long term positives away from improvements under the new coaching staff. And you can also get some encouragements in recruiting. Right. Because, you know, losing a game like losing a close game doesn't like automatically hurt you in recruiting, but getting blown out and exposed that can definitely hurt you in recruiting. Like if it's just like if Miami goes up to college station and it's like a baptism up there and you just get shellacked, then 
then you start to worry, oh, my God, are any of these recruits going to going to flip? Are we not going to be able to get some of the four and five stars that we're still in the market for? You know, a close game alleviates some of that. So it is what it is. Um, as far as Texas A&M goes, I'm going to be really interested to watch them again this week, right? Um, I'm not all that impressed by certain aspects of their offense right now. Like I, I feel a little bit better at Miami about Miami's chances. Um, so I think by the time they do play each other, you know, the preseason spread was like nine and a half, 10 points in favor of Texas A&M. I think it's going to be closer to a touchdown by the time they actually play. I think that that line's going to narrow down a little bit. Not all that impressed by their quarterback, Haynes King. I think Miami can get a few interceptions in the game. Uh, he threw two interceptions against Sam Houston State. I think Miami can turn him over, especially, of course, if they can get pressure. They've got to get more pressure than they did against Bethune-Cookman. Uh, sounds easier said than done, right? Um their top wide receiver, though, is a stud. Like, they've, they've got some players in that offense. Uh, watch out for number eight, Aeneas Smith. Um, and so for Texas A&M, I'm going to be watching them intently this week. They play Appalachian State this week. Um, obviously, they're better than Appalachian State, but that's going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, App State should have beaten UNC. They blew it. They let them off the hook. Uh, Texas A&M, obviously the better team than UNC is, but the Mountaineers, if they can stay somewhat competitive against Texas A&M, we can learn a lot about the Aggies. So, like, I think Texas A&M is going to win that game no matter what, but can the Mountaineers stay competitive? Does Texas A&M just take them out to the woodshed? I think we're going to learn a lot about uh, about the Aggies this week. There's no question about that. Uh, we got a question from Will in Hialeah. He asks us, Will Jalen Knighton be the starting running back this week now that he's back? He didn't play last week. The Rooster didn't suit up last week. Henry Parrish was the starter, did really well, okay? So, all right, I'm going to answer this this way. Officially, he's going to be the co-starter. There's going to be an or between their names. It's going to be Henry Parrish or Jalen Knighton. And I think we've come to learn these coaches don't put a whole lot of stock in who's on the field for the first snap. I could see it going differently from game to game. I think there could be certain games, depending on the matchup, where they may decide Henry Parrish gets the first series in this game. Or maybe the matchup will lend itself more to Jalen's explosiveness and running outside the tackles. Maybe he'll be the first guy on the field in some games. And then I think every week the snap count's going to be pretty similar between those two, right? Um, but in Rooster's favor, because, again, I don't care who starts. I don't think the coaches care who starts. It's all about rhythm and snap counts and rotation okay but Tyler Van Dyke when we spoke to him yesterday did say something that it really got me thinking about how much Jalen was missed last week you're saying what missed they won the game 70 to 13 hear me out on this Van Dyke talked about how you know they've already done their post-game film study of the Bethune-Cookman game and TVD mentioned to us about how Miami left some meat on the bone in a handful of offensive plays, like plays that could have been big plays, but were medium to small plays because guys miss certain assignments and stuff. They left some meat on the bone. He said that there were a few occasions specifically where the running backs picked up some nice gains despite hitting the wrong hole. And the way he described it was, I'm paraphrasing here, but had they hit the proper hole a few carries could have been 50-yard touchdowns or 70-yard touchdowns instead of eight- or nine-yard gains, that they left some meat on the bone. So hitting those holes quickly and then turning on the afterburners, that's what Rooster specializes in. 
So right there, that tells me that, you know, if, if Jalen Knighton had played and if he was in midseason form, Canes probably would have put up 80 points or 84 points instead of 70 points, okay? He's more of the home run threat than Henry Parrish is. Parrish might be maybe slightly more well-rounded and like slightly better between the tackles, but Jalen is, is the more explosive guy. So I think they complement each other pretty well, but that's the element. When you talked about having like, eight or nine yard gains that could have been 50, 60 yard gains. I think that was something you lost last week in not having Jalen Knighton on the field. Cause I think if he had started and played last week, he would have broken off some really, really big runs. All right. When we come back, Gator fan, they're getting, are they getting a little too cocky after beating Utah? Because they've started flooding our mentions here on locked on canes. They're starting to talk some trash in recruiting. We'll tell you about that next here on Locked on Canes. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen and your first watch today. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So a, a Gator fan showed up in our YouTube comments the other day, uh, and he said to me, uh, he, he, he instructed me when we talk recruiting on the show, I have been instructed by the Gator fan to stop talking about Cormani McLean because Cormani McLean is definitely going to Florida. So I need to stop talking about him. And he reminded us this happened on Saturday. Steve Wiltfong did drop a crystal ball for Cormani McLean, five-star cornerback out of Lakeland. He now has a Wiltfong ball, a Fong ball to the University of Florida. I'll admit that's nice. Fong balls, it's nice to get one in your favor. So, okay, Gator fan, if that's the case, if I now need to stop talking about Cormani McLean because he's got a crystal ball, well, a few of them, to Florida, then I don't want to hear you ever talking about any players you're going after who have been crystal balled to Miami. And I certainly don't want to hear you guys talking about flipping any, any of Miami's verbal commits because I've heard a lot of that. Every now and then the Gator fan tells me, Dono, watch out for Francis Maui Goa. Florida might be trying to flip him. Watch out for Jaden Rashada. Florida's trying to flip him. So, okay, if you're telling me, Gator fan, that I need to stop talking about Cormani McLean because he's got a fong ball to Florida, not even a commitment, you need to stop talking about flipping Miami's commits, and you certainly need to stop talking about players who've got crystal balls to Miami. So be consistent on this. Stay in your lane and be consistent on this, man. And as far as Cormani McLean goes, I also want to make it loud and clear. Never once have I said I think Miami's the favorite. Never said that. Never once did I say I think he's coming to Miami. I consider Miami having a chance. I consider Alabama having a chance. In fact, Gator fan, you might want to start looking over your shoulder at Nick Saban when it comes to Cormani because getting a crystal ball in September is nice. McLean is not going to officially announce anything until signing day. I don't think he's going to make even a verbal commit until December at the earliest. Okay. So you got a long way to go here. And that means for the next three months for a player of that caliber, there's going to be a little NIL war happening behind the scenes, right? I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that, that there a lot can happen and a lot can change between now and December, okay? And I'm not saying I consider Miami to be the favorite. I will consider Florida the favorite. I think Alabama is probably the second favorite because I think Saban wants him there in Tuscaloosa. And then don't sleep on Miami either. 
when it comes to that. Um, we got a comment. This is we're off the Gator tip now. Forget about them. We got a comment. This guy may be a Gator fan. I don't know. E. McDonald said to us, Miami's defense is afraid to hit anyone. They play scared. They can't think while scared. Uh, I did think that against Bethune Cookman, they they looked to me probably a little bit hesitant because it was their their first game running a new defense. They were probably thinking a little bit too much. Um, and yeah, listen, they were the worst tackling team in the country last year. So I'm not going to argue your point. Uh, I also think saying they're afraid to hit anyone is a little bit extreme. Maybe they have PTSD from all the P- PTSD from all the excessive targeting penalties they had thrown at them the last few years. But no, I, I think that I, I think that they, they're going to be tougher, especially some of the transfer guys are awesome. Mesador was the best defensive player on the field last year. Caleb Johnson's going to get more playing time, I think, this week. The linebacker, um, you know, Daryl Porter, the new cornerback, I think will end up playing a lot this year. And, you know, James, I'm, I'm not going to ever say James Williams plays afraid or Cam Kinchins or Avante Williams so uh, or Leonard Taylor. I think Miami's defense will be, will be better, considerably better this year, okay? And last one, um, I mistakenly said yesterday that Kyle Field at College Station, where Texas A&M plays, that they pack in 90,000-plus. NT on YouTube corrected me. The capacity there is 102,000 at College Station, the 12th man. That's insane. I can only imagine how uncomfortable the seats are there because anytime you've got a stadium that packs in 102K – you're sitting on those, you know, hard metal bleachers. So probably not the most comfortable game day experience, but hey, they're not there for the comfort. They're there to to help their team win games, those fans. So I stand corrected, 102,000 plus. Guys, thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. It's an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into one ultimate NFL preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow, if not sooner, on another episode of Locked On Canes. We're part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.